0: Episode 276, Champion Series, Key Number One, Adjustment. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right now. Here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're gonna hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey y'all, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I'm very excited to chat with you today because I've been holding on to a message for quite some time and not sure when it was time to share it. It's a series of stories that teach a lesson, obviously and um, they all kind of help you learn how to choose you your life and the legacy that you leave and i'm going to share with you in this three-part series words that start with a because i just love alliteration those are going to be the three keys each episode will be a different key and i'm going to share with you a personal story and just as a quick disclaimer You might not relate specifically to the experiences that I'm going to share, but I'm sure that you can relate to the message and the lesson that I learned. So if you're ready, turn it up, enjoy a little story time and think about how you can choose you, your life and the legacy that you leave, because I truly believe you can be the champion of your life and career. And that's why I'm calling it the Champion Series here we go. There was one phrase that I heard over and over as a child, and it kind of became the soundtrack of my life, and it came from my father. And he would say, choose wisely. It actually all started when we developed a pastime of watching a show, you might have watched it too, called Love Connection. <laughs> we watched it together. I admit this kind of an odd choice for, you know, sacred bonding time of a father and daughter, (laughs) but we would just die laughing. And obviously at the time I wasn't making the connection, but I was learning lessons that would play out the rest of my life. And so we would watch men and women just foolishly answer questions about themselves while trying to sway their potential suitor to pick them for a date. And we would howl at the ridiculous responses that the contestants would give. Actually, it was more the fact, like, the lack of believability in their so-called perfect answer. My dad would always lean in and whisper in my ear saying, choose wisely the audience would vote for the perfect pair my dad and i would obviously ring in our choices too and then then we'd die laughing again at the final answer because it was never who we picked and it was always just the most ridiculous answer person my dad would just give me the eyes like don't you dare even think about bringing a guy home uh like this Or don't you become one of the kind of ditzier girls that the show was kind of playing up. Um, So hopefully you know the show and I am not hurting your feelings if you truly thought that this was a great way to find a partner. I guess it is so similar to online dating. I've just like the trickery involved of this is how perfect I am. Pick me. And it's like you are not like that at all. At least not the full time it might be. 1% of the time. Anyway, though, so the audience was voting and we would vote. And I'm just going to venture to guess that there was probably a slim likelihood any of those relationships actually worked out based on reading the intention behind the contestants' responses. They never really seemed super committed to the process. It was more like, this is fun and I'm on TV and this is like, let me make everyone laugh. And then recounting the final, like, awkward interaction between them when they meet, because remember, they hadn't seen each other at the whole end of the show. And it's like, oh, go off on your date. I mean, it's like, I don't know. The the, the one that picked the person is generally like, oh, God, this is who I picked here. Not at all what I was thinking. Or, you know, and you just see the fear in their eyes. (laughs) My dad and I thought we were the experts, that we could have picked a better pair, that we knew what should have gone down. Well, anyway, so at the ripe age of seven, I was already learning the importance of making these wise choices that would have long-term effects on my life, and my dad was helping me distinguish between good, better, and best decisions. So in this case, I learned to read some body language for who was confident or who was being honest, or I would listen to the word choice for who had integrity or grit, and so I just thought I was watching a show, but my dad was kind of guiding me as he was narrating, you know, one way or the other, what would be a good or, you know, good, better or best decision. And so, in this make believe world that we would immerse ourselves in for like 30 minutes every week, I would just continue to receive the choose wisely mantra, and it became the soundtrack of my life. And you see, choosing wisely didn't just apply to the show Love Connection, obviously. My father apparently was a visionary. (laughs) (laughs) he repurposed that bonding activity for the greater good of humanity. He was setting me up for success. He was helping me see beyond the facade in front of me, which is the whole point of that show. Whether it was a problem I was having or a potential opportunity, I learned to really look deeply and to weigh the facts and to take action And this would come in handy later. So we moved, and you might already know this if you've been following me for a while on social media. I generally share this as my fun fact. But we moved an average of every three years as a kid. And so it left me with a grand total of being a resident in eight states, at least to the current moment. Uh, We are not Army brats. Folks always ask me that. My dad just made wise choices. Say it with me now. Uh, and so these choices allowed him to provide us not only living essentials, but lifetime experiences because we are always in new places with new environments that we could explore. And my dad was just working his way up the corporate ladder, and that came a new opportunity in a new city, and off we'd go. And so meanwhile, as my life was developing as a child, I too was making choices. I can't say I was making wise choices like he was, but I was learning to make choices. And I had to adapt and readjust over and over as we would transition into a new home and new schools. And I made friends and and got into a new groove while kind of learning the ropes in both a public school and then a private school and off just depending on what was nearby and what was recommended in that state. And so with my dad's daily sacrifice of working this intense job, which was internationally at the time, he just did a lot of flying. We had the fortunate opportunity to cash in on those miles. And so we got to travel all around Europe. Um, I was actually mistaken for an authentic Scottish lass. Hello? How cool is that? I guarantee, and I'm not even joking about this, that there's a photo of me hung on some silly American's wall, or maybe their mantle, because I was too afraid to admit that I wasn't a local. My brother and I had just dressed up in some local garb, and happened to be a little bit far ahead of my parents and so they thought oh look here's two locals like walking to school or whatever and took my brother and my picture and I'm in this kilt and he's got on this fake red hair um hat and I'm like oh my god oh he's like oh you guys are so cute oh gosh anyway on with the story so I learned to really assimilate into different states and then now I was learning how to assimilate into the culture of uh, different countries. I did not have access to my craft macaroni and cheese and that was just really hard for me. <laughs> but I did learn that communication occurs in more ways than than just words, than language, because I was able to make friends by being with other kids and experiencing the same things, even though we didn't understand anything that we were each saying. I remember being at a park and just having the greatest time with this other person who couldn't speak the same language and it wasn't even a barrier. We just had the greatest time. And I also learned that, hey, I love fresh croissants from this corner bakery. They're actually pretty good in France and (laughs) I can start my day just like this instead of whatever I was Eating fruity pebbles or something at home, you know. Uh, so years later, after all this travel and us being able to kind of see the world, which was really fun, and at the time I really didn't understand what a great opportunity that is that so many folks don't get to do that. I was too busy saying how boring the castle was, or that we're looking at this painting, or why they don't like I said have the food I like. <laughs> you know, I I wish I could go back to my younger self and say like you're going to be so excited. You got to do this. Like, stop, get out of your little kid brain of like, I just want to play. Like, forget all this touristy stuff. So years later, my dad ended up retiring from corporate life and we celebrated him. And we said, you know, what is it that you want to do? What's your something you've lived your whole life? and like, oh my God, I want to do it. And he picked an African safari. My mother and I were not excited about this either because this is, like, not the zoo. Like, you could potentially die. And it was very rugged outdoorsy, which is totally what he wants to do. And my brothers were very excited about it. And my mom and I were like, oh, God, like, this is dirty. And, uh, like, do we get a shower? Which you get a shower, if I'd call it that. Um, but anyway, this was for him. He's worked hard for us, and we were celebrating him. And so we did it. And it sure was a lifetime opportunity. If you get the chance, please go on safari. I kid you not, I almost lost my life, and that is not an exaggeration, to the smallest, angriest monkey alive. It entered my tent. It's one way in and one way out. They know how to use the zippers, and there's people in the camp that had um, locks on the zippers, but no one told us we needed these locks, and I thought it was just my brother coming in. So I look over there, I'm like, oh my God, it's a monkey. That is my only way out. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. He then looks at the bowl of fruit that the people put in your tent as like a, hey, welcome. And I'm like, why would they put food out where uh, people and animals meander? Like is a horrible idea. So he decides he is gonna grab the fruit, get on the bed and let me know that is now his fruit and uh, with whatever calling he was using, <laughs> he's hollering at me about this fruit. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I just have to be big and loud. And I start stomping my feet and put my arms on my hips and <laughs> <laughs> whatever I could do. And then I realize, wait, I think you're supposed to do that with a bear. <laughs> I don't think this applies to monkeys and I did scare him, thankfully, only because I was moving towards him, not because of my crazy antics. And he goes out on this this porch, which, so your tent is elevated. I don't know to prevent from flooding or something. So you're basically on just wood slats and that there's a front, little front porch, uh, no chairs or anything. Just, I'm not describing this very well. Anyway, so he's out and he starts peeing all over my tent. Remember, I have to exit this tent and I have to touch the zipper to close it. And he's busy peeing all over it, I guess, to mark his territory. Like, first, it's this is my fruit bowl. And now this whole tent with you in it is mine as well. I'm like, how am I going to get out? So I'm screaming to my mother, really to anyone that can hear me, help, help, there's a monkey in my tent. And my mother so sadly ate something she shouldn't have and is deathly ill in the tent next to us. And she's trying with all her might to say, like, no one's here. They've all gone to breakfast. I can't help you kind of thing. But she's so lethargic from just, I don't know if it was the water she drank, which you're not supposed to do. Anyway, so luckily, I run out of the tent. I didn't even close it. I didn't even know my mom was in the tent next to me. I just assumed everyone had left, which was another fear. I was going to be stuck at this camp for eight hours while they're on safari, and I have No weapons to defend myself versus the monkey. What's next? And so I get to breakfast out of breath like I'd seen a ghost. And I'm telling this story to my brother and my dad. And they're dying laughing. Like they would pay anything to see what just happened. And then they tell me my mom's not feeling well. And I'm like, someone needs to go back. So you have this armed guard at the front of the camp. And he walked me back and helped me zip it shut. And we had to find some sort of lock which was like twigs (laughs) we created. And then off we went um, on the safari, only to meet the monkeys again at lunch who are in the trees above you. And if you just turn to talk to the person next to you and you happen to put something down in front of you, they can land poop on your food, pick it up and get back in the tree before you can blink. It is the fastest, most fascinating thing I've ever seen. So these monkeys, monkeys, by the way, used to be my favorite animal. No way, because I have met what real monkeys are like. And now, can we get back to my lesson here? I got a little tangent about this Africa trip. It was really, really fun. But the point is I survived and so did the monkey. Although it kind of, you know, left its last word. And I thankfully never saw him again. But it really taught me the lesson about adjustments. Um, Let's not get in between him and his delicious meal you know, adjusting to life in the Serengeti with some wild animals and no fences. It's just probably the scariest choice. I didn't i didn't really have a choice, but experience that I had to make. And I adjusted to life that really relied on the basics. There is a man outside of this so-called shower area who dumps a bucket up and over a wall that you're standing in. that That's your shower. I mean, I am lucky, lucky for a shower. But it really reminded me like everything you have in America is just so wonderful and every convenience is so worth it and you don't know how good you have it even though this is safari and it's vacation I mean it is still very basic and um, it was awesome it's a good experience and I now look at life very differently from that point of thinking like it could be worse or thankfully you made it back alive because <laughs> Can I derail one more time? Because when we're out on safari, the guy wanted to get us closer to the lions. And so the lions just think Lion King. They're on that big rock. And he starts driving up that dang rock. We're like, what are you? These are live animals. (laughs) No, they are in the wild. They are going to come get you. Absolutely not. And he's like, oh, it's fine. They don't eat at this time. This is their resting time. You can get close. I'm like, no, listen, I've got a zoom on my camera and I'm about to pee my pants back up. We will go somewhere else. I am happy to see the lions close up on the internet, but not right here. So he decides, okay, I'll drive around to this other side. I think there's some closer lions over here and we don't have to like drive on the bedrock. So he is, he's a hunter, I guess, because he's got this spear situation that he carries on the safari while he's driving and so there's like six of us in the car behind him and he's in this very colorful outfit this cloak situation but there's also blankets for us to sit down and have lunch and so we're sitting on them and I'm actually covering myself because there's things called tsetse flies and they um, bite you kind of like mosquitoes, but gosh, it itches and it never goes away. It's worst. Anyway, so I'm covering myself with the blanket. Well, I guess dirt got on it or something. And so the guy decides that he is going to wring it out. And so he flicks this blanket up. And that lion, all he saw was this big col- colorful thing coming towards him, which in their mind is a hunter, just like our driver who... You know, people that wear that outfit in that part of the country, it, it, they're hunting to kill for the meat and for the fur and whatever. So he, this line gets up. In fact, it must be a us because we learned that they do all the hunting and the guy just waits around to be fed. <laughs> I'm like, he lazy bum. Anyway, so, yeah, they came charging. My father's next to me who's, you know, 6'3 and however many pounds. And I am at this point. I think I'm still in high school, regardless. Jumps onto my lap because the lion is coming on his side of the car. So it's very clear now what his choice is feed my young daughter to the lion. I must survive. Uh, And so we got, oh gosh, that car was trying to go so fast. Uh, But the cheetahs are like passing you and the lion's like nipping at your tail. Oh my God, I've never been so scared in my life. And those elephants. Man, when you are anywhere near them on their trail or when they're eating, they will move their ears out to the side like a school bus sign and flap them like crazy to warn you to get away. Elephants are huge. And elephants in the wild are not calm. They are beasts. So anyway... Then the guy had told us, oh, I know why that happened. He must have thought threatened by the blanket. I'm like, oh, and my dad goes, get the blanket out of the car. Although he might have used some expletives. So (laughs) that was pretty crazy. I am probably not selling you on this whole go on a safari thing, but I've got to tell you, it's a lot of fun, but it is very scary um, in the day to day. So Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, Hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. All right, let me get back to my whole lesson here. We've gone on a couple tangents. Hopefully you've enjoyed them. (laughs) But again, I've been learning all these survival skills while I was there. You know, I learned to rely on other people who knew more than me to keep me safe. Sort of. I learned how little physical things mattered, but how important family was. But this is the big takeaway, I think. Just because you're experiencing a moment that feels different than the norm, it doesn't mean it can't be a great opportunity to. So much was new to me at the time during all this travel, but it all ended up making me better. As a human, I learned to make friends quickly, not to be afraid of a new place, a new opportunity, just walk up to people and talk and to get used to just life being different in different cultures, Uh, adjust and enjoy. And adjustment really became something we as a family became accustomed to doing, you know, without really batting an eye. And So now as an adult, I always ask my mom uh, how the heck she raised a family, got a house ready to move on numerous occasions. Dealt with sick kids and trying to work a job and all the other things. And you know what she would tell me? (laughs) I didn't have a choice. And after you hearing my whole rant uh, about all this travel, you know you do have a choice. And she made wise choices. She could have begged my dad not to take the next promotion. And we could have just stayed in our comfort zone, whatever city, town, state we're in. Um, She could have hired a lawn and a pool and a cleaning service so that she could just have more time to do what she wanted to do. But she chose to do the chores and have us help her do the chores so we would understand we keep our place tidy. We take pride in what we have. We're all part of this family together. This is our space. And um, you have to work a little bit, but then you can enjoy life a little bit. You know, she could have played victim just to all the change that was happening around her. Cause she's actually naturally very shy and very introverted. So for her to be able to go to these different countries and move to eight different States and however many they've moved more than I have, you know, she has learned to adapt and adjust and it's all for the greater good. And exactly why my dad is her perfect match. I mean, maybe no love connection match, (laughs) She chose wisely. You know, he inspires her to try new things. And because he was physically not at home when it seemed like, you know, the world's on fire she had to learn like, hey, I don't have a choice. But basically what that meant is my choice is I have to get up and take action. I can't wait for my husband to always be home to help me navigate whatever mayhem is happening at home. She had to say, enough's enough. I can rely on me. I'm strong enough, courageous enough, extroverted enough to ask people for help or meet new people or whatever. You know, she couldn't think about the drama. She just made the adjustments and she took it head on. And my dad working hard for our family set my mom up for a success. She couldn't lean on him because he was in meetings halfway across the globe. So a shy introvert ran our family like a CEO boss. Call her a boss babe. Uh, So she is the true strength of my family. And so adjustment isn't just something that happened to me as a kid. When I graduated college, the job market in New York and Connecticut was like trying to open two iron-clad doors with Andre the Giant leaning against them. It was impossible. There was no way I was going to get into the education system up north with this shiny new college degree, but I had zero experience. So luckily, my cousin got her first teaching job in Charlotte. That's where I am now. And she had told me that they were looking for more people to hire. And so I just took a trip down there again by myself. I wasn't nervous to go to a new place and meet someone I hadn't seen in a while. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. If I need a job, I'm willing to go figure it out. And it just took one trip into that warm weather, uh, friendly strangers who talk to you as, as if you're family. And so for me, choosing adjustment, again, it that's starting to feel more familiar. So thankfully, I had been you know prepped for this change my whole life watching my parents make adjustments for us and having to adjust myself and so whether it is life's mishaps or new homes and new schools or going to different countries and experiencing different cultures all of those things are adjustments that were setting me up for success and i learned to pivot and to choose wisely so just because you think you're taking path a doesn't mean you're wrong that when path B presents itself and you just gotta do your best with what you've got and when it's time to adjust you do you know remember my mom says I have no choice but you really do have a choice and the choice you make is you can rely on yourself that you're capable and confident enough to do it just take the risk so adjustment is key number one and how you are going to choose you your life and the legacy that you leave. And so I want you to think about how will you hold yourself accountable for being better with adjustment, going out on a limb, trying new things, pushing yourself, pushing your boundaries, taking risks. It's only going to make you a better person. I hope my stories made you laugh, but I hope more importantly, they taught you that adjustment can have a good ending and can help you grow and can help you have the life that you want to lead. And with that, you've just been empowered.